Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The following program contains names, places, and events that have been anonymized or fictionalized for the purposes of protection and safety. The following program is provided for entertainment purposes only, and any commentary from the hosts are strictly conjecture and should not be held as making any definitive statements about the truth or identity of any particular individuals or circumstances. If you or a loved one are involved in an abusive relationship, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 for support. Hi, Hannah. Hey. Are you guys ready for another episode of Dating Detectives? Of course you are. This one was so cool, you guys. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a different episode. We kind of felt like we're getting to the end of the year, and oftentimes after a Dating Detective story, we're all left with that big why. Like, how does a dogfish do this? What is going on in their brain? Most of us don't think this way. So it's yeah, sometimes and like, we don't is, get the where answers. Where are these people's mamas? Like these, the, we got where so many questions. Literally how? And we don't always get all the answers. Mackenzie's talked about that in her PI stories. Like she doesn't get to go ask the people like, so what was going on there? And we're anonymous, so we don't even know who some of these dogs are. And like, you can't, we can't ask these dogfish, like, why are you like this? (laughs) Yeah. Plus, most of them are narcissists who would be like, like what? I'm perfect. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine. I don't know what you're talking about. And then they'll gaslight you into thinking you're the problem. So, yeah. So we didn't want to do that, but we did want to get some answers if we could. And we felt like the next best thing was to talk to experts who are experts on lying and deception. You guys, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> I am obsessed with people who know the minds of other people. And like, I thought generally- you were going to say, I am obsessed with lying. So this <laughs> I'm was obsessed so with fun. lying. I'm so excited <laughs> for these folks to come on the show. No, like, it's really, I just think it's cool when people like, people study things like this. Like, for a living, they decided to study lying and it's incredible. Yeah. They wrote a book. So we have, they're going to introduce themselves more in depth, but Christian, Chris Hart, and Drew Curtis have come on. They are the authors of Big Liars, What Psychological Science Tells Us About Lying and How You Can Avoid Being Duped. Whew, we need that. They were so fun to talk to. And I learned a lot. I think a lot of us have like, we think we know a lot about lying and have some ideas based on, you know, how they have celebrities hooked up to lie detectors and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, and if you're like me, everyone's this. just a liar. <laughs> Or that. So we got into all of that and we're, I feel like we learned a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, wait for it. It's you guys. I think you guys will be shocked because I know I was. So I'm excited for you guys to hear what they have to say. Let's get into it. Oh, and just so you guys know, next week is Christmas. So there will not be an episode on that day. I think, I feel like no one would listen if it was because it's like Christmas. (laughs) But anyways, we won't be here next week. we, We will be here the following week. So please, please enjoy your holiday and just know that we love you so much and thank you for being here and supporting us. Yes. Have a happy holiday. And if you do miss us so much that you need more episodes, we're dropping one on Patreon next week. It's fun. It's like Mackenzie doing her PI thing against some of the internet trolls. (gasps) It's a really cool episode. So definitely check that out. But in the meantime, let's get into it. Let's hear from these lying experts. 
we are so excited to have Chris and Drew on The Dating Detectives. You guys, like, I'm so excited about this because I'm obsessed with catching liars and, like, how do you know if someone's telling the truth or not? So, Drew and Chris, would you guys mind introducing yourself to our audience? Yeah, happy to. Dr. Drew Curtis, I'm a professor of psychology at Angelo State University. And I'm Chris Hart. I'm a have a PhD in experimental psychology, and I'm a professor at Texas Women's University, and I also direct the Human Deception Laboratory at Texas Women's University. That's amazing. I'm so excited for this. You wrote a book together called Big Liars. It's all about lying and how you can avoid being duped, which is one of the biggest reasons we, we wanted to talk to you, because all of our stories are people getting away with the biggest of lies. Mm. Well, hopefully we can offer some useful advice. How did you guys get into this? Like what made you want to study this? It's a kind of a universal human experience to lie and be lied to. It's it's interesting. We're all, all concerned about being lied to, but we're, you know, outdoing it. And I just found it kind of an intriguing part of human psychology where there's a certain degree of adversarial behavior going on. And that just really captured my interest. And for me, I was I was studying counseling psychology and had an experience with a patient that had lied to me, didn't know how to handle that, and got turned on to studying deception and therapy and working with Chris. And then we continued to look at pathological lying and big liars. Chris had been studying deception for years before me, though. Wow. The reason we wanted to talk to you is because that's it's a big question mark in a lot of these stories, the motivation behind why people are doing this and why we're all doing it sometimes. So as, as lying experts, is it just very factual? Like, okay, this is how many times you lie, or do you go into like why they're lying and what they would benefit from it or why, how, if they don't consider like how other people feel about their lies or anything like that? Yeah, we definitely look at the motivations for why people lie. And if we, if we look just very basically, people lie when they think the lie is going to give them better outcomes than the truth would. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, people see some advantage they can gain by lying, but, but also they tend to not lie very much because there's some pretty significant consequences when we lie. If we get caught, if we cultivate a reputation as being a dishonest person, then people aren't really going to want to attach to us and bond with us. But yeah, so we look at the motivations that people have for lying and Drew can probably talk a little bit more about that. He, he wrote that section in the Big Liars book. Yeah, happy to talk about motivations. A lot of different motivations, you know, to to get out of things. Timothy Levine talked about, you know, people essentially lie for the same reasons that we tell the truth. But the difference, as Chris mentioned, is uh, usually people calculate that a deception is going to work better than the truth, right? So if you if you're in an awkward situation. You, you might calculate that the truth would make it more awkward or uncomfortable. So maybe I should lie. That's usually true though, right? Like that's, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm, if I say the truth and that's not good, so I'm going to lie. Well, it's, it turns out that people are really <laughs> poor at estimating how people are going to respond to the truth. And so most people believe, oh, if people knew the truth about me, they wouldn't like me. You know, they, they wouldn't want to go on a second date with me. They, they would, you know, find me despicable. That's so true. But it's, it turns out not to be true. People are really poor at assessing how others view them and, and what people like about them. And so 
Drew and I's contention is that most of the lying people do is completely unnecessary and it actually undermines what they're trying to get because when we're actually genuine with people, they tend to like us even more. I'm curious y'all's perception on dating apps when it comes to lying because I feel like that's changed the game for some of these people might be getting ahead of ourselves there but just lying and dating is such a big fear because you can just show up and be like oh yes I am six two and you're like no you're not I can see you but people do it anyway like what's going on certain situations like dating or job interviews, those are going to facilitate deception more so where people are trying to put their best foot forward, exaggerate features of themselves. So uh, you'll see certainly deception happening with dating. You know, the joke I always make is, you know, after you've been dating someone for about three months, then you see that the truth of who they are, right? Three to seven months because the lie is kind of wearing away. But we we exaggerate on on dates, especially first dates and, and early on. I think that lying has been a part of the the dating process long before dating <laughs> apps came along. And, you know, as Drew mentioned, everyone's trying to put their best foot forward. They're trying to make a good impression. Essentially, people are trying to find dating partners that they perceive as being a little bit above them in quality. And so, you know, we have to hide all the nasty stuff about ourselves. I think the dating apps, you know, there there is evidence that people do lie on those and, and they lie in exactly the directions you would expect them to lie in. So uh, essentially, men and women are trying to present themselves in ways that they think other people are going to find them desirable. And so especially in like heterosexual relationships, men tend to exaggerate their income, their social status, how industrious they are, and all these sorts of things. And women tend to exaggerate or be deceptive about their age and, you know, try and- Our weight. be a little deceptive about their physical attractiveness and things like that. And so what we see is that, yeah, people do lie in these dating apps, but it's just like the dating in the real world. Eventually, if people spend enough time together, a lot of the the truths start to come out. Okay. So everybody, everybody lies, right? So what is a quote unquote big liar and what makes them different from just like, I don't like a casual liar? So our research, we find that everyone lies. If we just track people over long periods of time, we find that almost everyone lies. And if we look at those data a little bit more carefully, what we find is that most people are pretty honest most of the time, but there's the small subset of the population that lies extraordinarily. So they'll lie uh, a lot more than everyone else. And then we try to offer the criteria for when someone's a big liar. We're usually talking about people who lie five or more times per day, and they're usually in the top 5% of liars. What do you mean by they lie like five day, like five times a day? Like what kind of things do they lie about? Well, people lie like about all things? manner of things. Some of the lies are fairly inconsequential, small white lies, but then other people lie about fairly significant things. But if we look at the things that people tend to lie about most often, they tend to be more face-saving types of lies. So people lie about themselves to either kind of elevate their the way that people view them or to conceal some of the negative things about them or their bad behaviors. So are we are we calling like little fiblets like when I like on your driver's license, like how much do you weigh? And you're like 120. <laughs> like, is that is are we considering those little things lies? Like we're we're counting those? I can't believe you lied about that. Yes, we're counting that. <laughs> <laughs> I am a big fat liar. 
we all are. I mean, especially what you're talking about, the lying for your ego in a way or to, for your, because you're feeling a little less confident comes up in dating, I feel like, all the time. So in your book, you talk about big liars and then you classify niche liars. I want to talk about them. And then you told a great story in the book depicting what makes them different. And I think that's a lot. It's similar to what we see, the dogfish we see. Have you heard of, have we told you what dogfish meant? No. You guys know what dogfish is at this. <gasps> okay. Dogfish is a little word that we made up. Not catfish, but dogfish. So it's somebody who doesn't use a fake photo. Maybe you're dating them and they are who they say they are, but you come to find out that they are what y'all might call big liars and are not who they say they are. Okay. So. Yeah. So like in the physical sense, they are them, but. Right. Right. But they're they're big phonies. So niche big liars. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I already talked about one way we can conceptualize big liars are people that just lie very frequently. But what we found is some people, they may not lie very frequently, but they tell these exceedingly consequential lies, these lies that have these massive effects on the people around them. And one of these people was a guy named Douglas Cohn. And so Douglas Cohn was a very, very successful business owner. He owned a construction company in the Tampa, Florida area. And he had a- That's where I'm at, you guys. <laughs> okay, great. Do you know him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we dated for a while. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, he was married. His wife was a very socially active socialite, You know, engaged in a lot of philanthropic activities. They had three kids. And they were very wealthy. She, you know, they had a massive house. She drove a Rolls Royce. Their kids went to this really elite private school. Well, anyway, they had been married for thirty years, and and she died. And her her death was a, a bit mysterious. She died in her garage from carbon monoxide asphyxiation. And two weeks later, he remarried someone else. And so two weeks everyone, later, two weeks later. And so everyone was very concerned that maybe he had been involved in her death. Why they why did he get remarried so quickly? Well, it turned out that while he did get married very quickly after his wife's death, he had known this woman for a very long time. And in fact, they had been a second family for about 30 years. And so I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so he had his his primary family and then unbeknownst to everyone he would have to travel every weekend. And so every weekend he would leave for business. And it turned out what he was doing was he was driving about 20 miles down the road to where his other family lived. And they also lived in a massive house. And that wife drove a Rolls Royce and they had two kids that actually went to the same private school as his oh. original kids. And at the private- Shut your face. Oh, and so he went by a second name instead of uh, going by his true name, Douglas Cohn, he went by Douglas Carlson and his- second wife, Hillary Carlson. So it was really interesting because both families had elements of the private school named after them. So there was the, the, oh the, the Cone Library named after his first family. teacher conferences. Right. And then there was the Carlson Athletics Field named after his second family. And so, so yeah, so he wasn't necessarily considered a big liar by most of the people who he worked with and who he's friends with. They saw him as a pretty upstanding and honest guy, but he did have this one niche domain of his life where he is terribly dishonest. You think? Hashtag dogfish. <laughs> oh my That's, Lord. Like, that is so a dogfish, many... like to a science. There's like a lifetime movie on stuff like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> did, did the second family, the wife didn't know about his first family? Like 
did she have an idea? There was a lot of secrecy about it, and it was a little unclear, but everyone's yeah. impression was that neither of the families knew about each other until the wow. first wife passed away. How did they, well, then what happened? How did everything, how did that come out? Like, how did everything come to? Well, when he got remarried after two weeks, his children wanted a police investigation because they worried maybe something weird was going on or he had been involved in the death. And that's when the whole family found out about all the details about what had happened. And then last Mercy question sakes. before we get into the lying psychology, did he have something to do with it? It turned out he had nothing to do with it. She had apparently just come home very intoxicated, parked in the driveway, passed out while the car was still running. Well, that's sad. I mean, I don't know how he would have had time to do that, given his two families. So I guess I'm not surprised, but that's crazy. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you guys, but I've told you before, I'm an overthinker and it's just something that I can't get to go away. And as you can imagine, the holidays do not help at all when it comes to my overthinking and anxiety and all of the things, especially when it comes to like giving gifts. And then you have to think about like who you're buying gifts for and what you have to get. And sometimes it feels really obligatory and it takes away the joy of the season, in my opinion. So when it comes to gift giving, I'd rather it be much more stress-free. And that's why I rely on BetterHelp. So I actually am currently using BetterHelp as a tool to manage my anxiety and my overthinking. So when it comes to all of these things, not to mention my everyday life, being a mom, being a wife, working full time, I also want to have a great holiday season and have the tools and the resources to manage how I'm feeling. And BetterHelp is a really great way to do that. It's been really helpful for me to learn positive like coping skills and how to set boundaries when it comes to my time. And it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about starting therapy anyways, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And I tell you, it is the most convenient convenient thing ever. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch your therapist anytime and they don't charge you for that. So in the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com TDD today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com TDD. So this guy who had a secret family, I just want to dive into that a little bit deeper because of how telling that can be for other cases. Just the quick question, like, why would someone do this? And then I also want to talk about how he rationalized it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, in in his case, uh, I suspect he's lying because he wanted something that he couldn't get being honest. (laughs) Namely, he wanted to have a second relationship with a different person than his wife. And, you know, I suspect his wife probably wouldn't have been on board with that. And so that's the motivation. And lying is really the only way to get there or one of the only ways to get there to have what he wants to preserve his original relationship, yet still have the second one. And, you know, how does he rationalize it? We are really good at distorting the way that we view ourselves and our place in the world in order to maintain favorable impressions of ourselves. There's a psychiatrist that's done a lot of work within federal prisons, and he wrote a book a a few years ago. And one of the conclusions he reached is you can interview murderers, rapists, arsonists, child molesters. And he said, 
to a person, they all said, I'm generally a pretty good person. I might have done these little things here and there, but generally speaking, I'm a really good person. And so I think we all managed to do that, to see ourselves in a positive light, even when we're engaging in bad behavior. I mean, I think it's an interesting that. that we can all relate to that, even though we can't all relate to having a second family. I think it's just so hard to wrap your brain around why you would go through such lengths for that. That seems so stressful because I myself am a full-time job for my husband. Like I can't, I can't even imagine. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd offered as a counseling psychologist therapy years ago to a patient who mentioned having seven different girlfriends and Up. Uh, senior, senior psychologist said, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. My, my wife is, is enough. Any, the patient said, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. You know, he, he seemed drained and tired so part of that was, you know, he thought he wanted it, but it wasn't as exciting as he thought it was. Would you say that that's something that has to do more with like that person's need for like attention, like something like emotional for them? Or is this just something that they just like enjoy? Like when people lie, do they enjoy it most of the time? Or is it it's like you said, just to kind of save face or just to like, why do you get yourself in a situation where you have to lie? Like, why do you need all these girlfriends? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some people enjoy lying or it's called duping delight. If you can con someone else. Let me write and, that down. Duping delight. Yeah. Duping delight. Duping delight. It sounds like a candy. <laughs> like, <laughs> just a pack of duping delight. It was Paul Ekman that came up with that duping delight. And it was basically if you can lie to people and have the, have your lies not discovered, then you can you get some satisfaction. There's a book called Duped where one of the patients lied to the therapist for the entire therapy session and at the end started just laughing. Just for funsies? Yeah. And so the <laughs> just therapist- Just for funsies? For funsies. People really need to take up pickleball. The therapist asked at the end, what are you laughing about? And the patient said, you're supposed to be a hum- uh, master of human behavior, but I I tricked you. I fooled you. Oh, and get so, out. So that's an example of that duping delight. You know, can you get away with it? Can't. So some people do yearn to lie for those reasons. Well, that makes me- feel bad that therapist like isn't going about their day assuming that patients are coming in completely lying about everything and right. i don't think most of us do mackenzie as a pi definitely has i a do bit i more, think everyone's lying it's you fine. do well what what after reading like researching all of this how do you still trust people and how can we still trust people <laughs> no most people are honest most of the time yeah, I that's think I think that's hear. true. People want to come together in cooperative relationships. That's how society operates. That's how our relationships operate. And so, you know, people are reciprocally in, engaged in this this pattern of trust. And and what it requires is that we tend to be honest with each other because, you know, if we're not, then people want to sever those relationships pretty often. So would you also say that people generally are not liars, like pretty good people? Well, we just need this on yeah. the record so we can see. That. Yeah, I would say <laughs> from the most, people are, record, most people are not big liars. Everyone lies. I mean, except for about mm-hmm. 2% of people who say they don't lie and maybe they're lying about that. But 
But what we find is most people say they lie, but they tend to do so sparingly. And they tend to do so in ways that aren't necessarily harmful to others. Like if I lie to you about what I had for dinner last night because I'm embarrassed that I ate, you know, two bags of potato chips for dinner and I tell you <laughs> instead I ate a salad. Like if you found out I was lying, you wouldn't be too terribly upset and you wouldn't feel harmed or wronged necessarily. So that's the No, I would actually feel consequential. I'm like, okay. Right, right. And that's what I had for dinner last night. So we're <laughs> on the same page. So so even even though most people most people lie, most people don't lie in ways that would directly harm other people. Like that's me. Like I I lie to my kids. Yeah, we like, all no, lie. we don't have any candy. Get out of the kitchen. <laughs> totally. So so on the show we talk about liars, con men, and what we call dogfish, as we've explained to you what that is. So they're lying so they can cheat or to sound more impressive or whatever. Others are in it for the con to get money. Is there a fundamental difference between the two types of liars? Yeah, sure. We see some people who are con artists and they're they're essentially their job is to lie to people in order to get people to part ways with their wealth. And and most of the liars that we talk about in our book aren't of that type, but you know, everybody has different motivations for lying. And so uh, Mon- the Monte Teo story is a good example of a, a contrast to that. So Monte Teo met someone online that appeared to be a very attractive uh, college student at Stanford named Lene. And they developed a very intense, passionate online relationship. And then they began making phone calls with each other. And then he wanted to get together and meet up with her. And she agreed to, but then at the last minute, you know, that she was in a car accident and wasn't available. And then there kept being schedule conflicts where <gasps> she couldn't. And then she said that she had been diagnosed with leukemia. And then eventually they were, you know, he was really pressuring her to, to get together or allow him to come out to see her. And then eventually he got a call from someone that was supposedly her relative who said, I'm sorry to let you know that she's passed away and died. And he was very upset. And it was headline news because he was a, a well-known college football player. And he's playing, you know, out on the field, even though his his girlfriend had just passed girlfriend away. Just died. Well, it turned out that this person calling themselves Lene wasn't Lene after all. In fact, it wasn't a woman. It was a guy. <laughs> and so it was a case of catfishing. And so when we look at what's the motivation there, you know, this person wasn't trying to extract money or, or anything else from Monteteo. And it seemed to be the case that they just enjoyed wielding that power over someone else and, and kind of, you know, using someone else as a puppet that they could manipulate. And so some people lie for attention. Some people lie for money. Some people av- lie to avoid shame. And some people lie because they just derive some sort of satisfaction out of manipulating other people. Or they just really like that idea of that like emotional connection, but didn't really actually want the real time, like the real deal. That is so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. How- oh, man. Oh, she broke his heart. I know. I feel so bad. Most people, when they lie, they're lying in the moment and not even really thinking about the long term consequences of their dishonesty. But I do think some people, con artists and 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 people of that type, uh, they tend to take a more of a long term approach. and. So these people might might be a little bit more kind of psychopathic, you know, they're they they know in advance they're going to lie. They're planning it all out. So what is the definition of a pathological liar and how do you associate 
narcissism with lying? Are those two different questions? I'm sorry. <laughs> two different questions. So pathological <laughs> liars are a, kind of a subset of the big liars. And essentially, it's it's the clinical feature. So someone who tells excessive lies in which their lies impair their functioning, uh, cause them marked distress, and pose some risk of danger to themselves or others. Typically emerges in late childhood, early, early adolescence, and in their lives, they've been doing this for six months or longer. Interesting. And how would you, when it comes to narcissism, like in, you know, with people in relationships and you hear a lot of people saying, oh, he was a narcissist or whatever. Does that have anything to, like, does lying play into that? Or is that just like where we talk about like, you know, exaggeration of self or whatever? Exaggeration of self. And, you know, for the narcissist, they, many times they believe those exaggerations, right? So they the, believe okay, that, yeah. they, that they are all encomp- encompassing, that I'm uh, spectacular to look at, that I have the, the best body in the world or whatever that is, that they truly believe that. Whereas the pathological liar, they're saying things they don't believe. So that's what the narcissism thing is, is that they actually believe whatever it is that they're saying. Okay, that makes total sense. That's right. And they don't have any faults. Or believe that they're justified. Yeah. Like if they have a second family, they're like, well, I, of course I deserve a second family. I don't know if that's <laughs> of course. what their brain is saying. Of course, but imagine, I have a second like, family. Look how I, I awesome I am. I Who wouldn't want to be with me? <laughs> Sometimes you just need a break from everyday life, from your relationship, your dating life, whatever it is. I'm obsessed with Dipsy because it lets you get lost in a steamy fantasy world with hundreds of sexy stories designed to turn you on no matter what your fantasy is. So Dipsy's an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories. They're designed by women for women. They have options for truly anything you could want, like queer representation, all the gender combos, like anything you want, they've got it, which I really appreciate. And they bring scenarios to life with these immersive soundscapes too. The characters are realistic. There's like second chance romance, adventurous vacation flings, hot hookups. I listened to one about, I went to London and had like a little fling one time shout out. And then I came back and there was a Dipsy story about an American girl who got back from London and had a fling. And I was like, what? They were following me, but it was very exciting. I got to live out the fantasy that was so specific and the actors were great. They always have a growing library. There's always something new. They have fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, fairy smut. If you're into smut, those romance books, you got to check this out. New content every week. And I love also their soothing sleep stories. They have wellness sessions that you can listen to by yourself or with a partner. The stories are just great and empowering. And we're all about feeling our best and being healthy and confident here. And sexuality is a big part of that. So Dipsy could be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax, unwind, even heat things up with a partner. It's fun. You should try it. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash TDD. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash TDD. 
dipsystories.com slash TDD. It's a great, it's a great offer. I'm not, I'm obsessed with Dipsy. Ask anyone. How does being somebody who lies in that way affect a liar's mental health? Like, are they less likely to trust people or are they? That's a good question. Because I am, I don't trust anyone. Yeah. And also like how guilty we all feel when we do something wrong. I'm just curious if you have any research on like how it affects the people who are doing this consistently. There is some research called deceiver's distrust, where basically if you, if you're lying, you assume other people are doing the same kind of thing to you. Yes. This is, this isn't going to be the, you know, psychopathy people that are lying without really seeing other people as humans, but for most most of us, if we if we're lying, we assume others are lying to us, so we're going to be more suspicious. And so, typically, if someone's asking you a lot of questions, you know, I say that check with them, ask them the questions, or you be the mirror. You know, if someone's like, "What have you been doing? Who have you been hanging out with?" That suspicion might be an indicator that they're lying to you too. Not oh. that they are, but. Yeah. Mackenzie, you said you assume most people are lying all the time. So that's a lie bias. Sometimes officers, law enforcement, people who work in forensic settings will hold that position, assuming most people are, you know, looking for dishonesty rather than the honesty in people. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, if I, like, if I told you, I was like, I don't trust anybody. Should someone's first thought of me be like, she's a hundred percent a liar and we shouldn't trust her. (laughs) You know what I mean? That was my question. So you answered it. Yeah, I think so. I get a, I have an excuse. It's called lie bias. Yeah, it's a, your your lie bias, and sometimes lie biases are are uh, just a learned pattern of seeing the world. Especially if we find that people are lying to us a lot, and we're getting burned a lot. We learn to be you know mistrustful of others and and kind of withhold our ability to see people as being potentially honest. Yeah, I think that's we talked we've talked about my dating past like every, I've been lied to by literally every person I've ever dated and then being a PI and then everybody lies and so I just have this thing in my head that like mm, everybody lies like <laughs> everybody's a big fat liar. Hmm. Yeah, and, and hopefully important to know that while everyone lies, most people aren't lying often. That's so good to know. And I think our listeners are going to love hearing that too. I thought you guys were going to say everybody lies so often. You guys would not believe how often people yeah, lie. just don't leave your house. <laughs> just stay home. So like the fact that you guys are like, most people for the most part are, you know, pretty honest and we want to have like, you know, honest conversations with others. And when you're saying that a lot of the lies are just little maybe inflations here and there, as opposed to like downright, I have another family. <laughs> Yeah. Well, also to that point, like many of our guests who come on and have been lied to, dogfished, been through these traumatic deceptions, they feel like it might be their fault or like they were naive or blind or stupid. They always feel stupid. They always feel stupid. Anybody feels stupid when they've been lied to. So we try to tell them that's not true. These liars are good at what they do. But could you talk about how these people lie so well and like maybe say something to help people who've been through it. Yeah. Most of us don't like being lied to in all all those emotions, embarrassment, anger, surprise, Mm -hmm. all of those things come out when we have been duped and we realize we were the target of that. And, you know, most of us don't go into relationships assuming maybe with the exception of McKinsey that (laughs) everyone's going to 
be brutal, you know, dishonest and out to get us, you know, um, if you have that position, you're probably not going to engage in relationships or, or very be trusting of people. You're going to keep people at bay or arm's length. So when you do go into those situations, you're not looking for lies. And then when it hits you, you know, you start sifting through your mind all the experiences you had with that person and what can I believe or can't I believe and sifting through fact from fiction. And, you know, that's a lot of energy and a lot of head work. You know, it takes two people to lie, essentially. And so the other part of this is that we want to assume people are honest because typically most people are. And so we we assume people are honest. And so we're willing to be deceived and be duped. Outer Vree calls this the ostrich effect where we put our head in the sand kind of thing. You know, our part as victims of deception is that we... We sometimes don't want to know if we're being lied to, you know, sometimes to say, well, like maybe we I knew it in the back of my mind, but I don't really want to know, or I don't want to ask that question because of if I found out the truth, that may mean consequences I don't want to deal with. I do want to talk about lying tells, like the if there are any cues that we can, not to help people lie better. We're not doing that. We're helping people catch lies and be safer from lies. That's like the episode where the guy used Hallmark to learn how to dogfish his girlfriend yes. or whatever. There was a guy that would literally watch Hallmark movies and so then he could she, learn. Found, she realized he was like saying the same things and doing the same things. It was crazy. So but anyways, what we are those cues th- how to lie again? Wait, no. before, before we get into that, can we play two truths and a lie with you guys? Sure. <laughs> Have you human lie detectors? <laughs> Well, that's what I want to, I want to see if I give off any of the cues that are like, I'm totally a liar or lying at the moment. But you've already said you're a liar, Hannah. I know. I said it like 12 times. (laughs) (laughs) My anxiety's increased this whole episode and now everybody's going to find out that I'm not who I say I am. What if I've been dogfishing this whole time? Everyone's silent. I'm not. Don't worry. I don't have the time. (laughs) But... Uh Two truths and a lie. Can we try it? If I'm going to, you want to see if I'm lying? Sure. (laughs) Okay. If anyone doesn't know how to play this game, you say two things that are true and one thing that's a lie. And then everybody guesses it. It's (laughs) like an icebreaker that you play when you have to go to like a work retreat. Okay. Number one, I moved around the country nine times when I was a kid. Number two, my car caught on fire while I was driving it. Number three, I got COVID in Mexico and had to get, I stayed there for an extra two weeks. I'm glad I'm not in a relationship with you, Hannah. I just really. I'm a good liar. <laughs> I, I would, I've got my guess, Drew. Do you have your guesses to which one's the lie? <laughs> Mackenzie, do you have one? P.I.? I already know it. I have a guess. I was guessing the second one was the lie, the car on fire. Drew? Anyone else? Oh, now you're making me question myself, Chris. No, don't, <laughs> don't question. I was going to go with number three. And then, Mackenzie, you know me well enough to know all of those? You know which one is the lie? I think so. The first one. Think? <laughs> I love this. Everyone doesn't know. <laughs> Drew, you were right. Number three was the lie. But they were three absurd things. And that game is, so So what did I do that was good for lying? Yeah. Just have a straight face, like didn't crumble and sweat like a crazy person? Well, people are very, everyone, almost everyone is a pretty good liar. All you have to do is act normal. <gasps> so, you know, there's been a lot of research for the past 
30 or 40 years looking at, you know, how can we identify when someone's lying to us? And all the research leads us to this conclusion that you really can't tell by looking at someone, by looking at their behaviors and things like that. There's just no Pinocchio's nose that will show you that someone's being dishonest. And if we look at how people actually detect lying, they do it by using evidence. And so what would happen if I was... If we were actually in a relationship and I was trying to discern which one of those were the truth and which one is a lie, is I would start asking questions. <laughs> we don't find that people are lying by looking at how they avert their gaze or whether they touch their you know, neck or not. We, we figure it out by collecting more information. And so someone tells us a story or tells us something about themselves, and that's a piece of information, and we can then check that information. We can check it with other things we already know. We can um, check to see if the story changes over time. We can confirm or disconfirm that information through third parties. So if someone says, I was at a party last night, we can ask who else was there, and then talk to those people and ask them about the party, and all of a sudden the story starts to unravel. I actually love that because I definitely came into this and I think a lot of people do thinking like, oh, as as long as I know how to look at when somebody's averting their gaze or like raising their eyebrow or scratching their head, I'm going to be able to detect liars. But that's not, that's like surface level. It makes sense that it's like you have to dig. And that's why, that's why we have this podcast because we're sleuths. (laughs) You know, ultimately there's going to be kind of as Chris was saying, in any kind of relationship, you're taking a risk on being vulnerable, uh, and you got to you got you have to decide whether or not the risk is worth it. You know, so I've, as a counseling psychologist, I've worked with people who have had social anxiety disorder, and they've gotten really good at becoming invisible in the world because they perceive others as a threat. You know, pe- they can't trust people. Essentially, that's what we're talking about. I can't trust people, so I'm going to become invisible. And That's the fear of getting hurt, right? Or by the, the lie. fear of getting hurt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if you've read C.S. Lewis, Voyage of the Dawn Treader has the invisible creatures and they were hideous creatures. And they say, you know, what's worse than being ugly is being invisible because no one knows you exist. Mm. And so when you, when you retreat socially from the world, you put up walls, you can't trust people. The problem is no one sees you most social creatures, we want to engage in relationships. So there's always a balance of wanting to be vulnerable and take a risk, also knowing that we're going to get hurt. And if you want those close relationships, you have to be willing to be vulnerable to get hurt. And, uh, you know, that being lied to as well, you know, and working through those transgressions, working through those lies. So I think even the most intellectually savvy individuals kind of circling back to that still can be duped. But part of that is making the upfront, do I want to be in a relationship? Am I willing to be duped? Is this worth it? Now, most of us don't say, yes, please lie to me. But <laughs> but basically, if you're going to get in a relationship, you have to have the expectation that it's it's likely that you could get hurt that could happen. I wanted to hit on some tips. And so we, we talked about you have to make yourself vulnerable and good luck, but there are actually a few things you can do that can perhaps uh, help you detect. Pencils out. Okay, Pencils right. out. Pencils so, out. <laughs> so one is, you know, we're 
easily distracted by our emotions. So if we keep a cool head, we're more likely to see the truth. And when people are in relationships, they want things a lot, sometimes maybe even a little too much. Like we all want to be loved. You know, we all want to have the sense of connection. It's important to realize that our emotions can blind us to certain truths about the world that are happening around us. And so maybe trying to keep a cool head you know, you want to believe the best thing. You want to believe this is the the greatest person in the world. And, you know, it's hard to kind of be grounded when we're feeling that way. Another is keeping a skeptical attitude. And, and not only cynical, like assuming like McKinsey does that everyone's lying all the time. <laughs> but, but, you know, a, a, a skeptical attitude is simply entertaining two hypotheses at the same time. This person may be honest, but also this person may not be honest. You know, and kind of keeping that that openness. And then once we can kind of view the world from that skeptical stance, we can start considering the evidence. You know, is what they're saying consistent with other information that I have? Are other people telling me that this person doesn't seem legit or doesn't seem honest? You know, we should rely on the reports that we get from others. Is what this person's telling me coherent? Like, is, you know, that I always find when, you know, I work with students all the time. I'm a professor. And they start telling me stories and their stories start really not making sense. And so when we get this discoherence, it's almost always because the they're lying. The math ain't mathing. <laughs> so, the math ain't mathing. Right, right. So, you know, just things aren't computing. Then it's time to start asking more questions and looking for more facts and looking for more evidence. And really, proof and evidence is what it all comes down to. If you just keep your eyes open and just probe a little, you can usually determine when someone's lying if you're just paying careful attention the problem is is that it's effortful we to don't want to believe it attention. right yeah or we don't want to believe right one good thing uh, if for anyone listening who's dating and a little nervous if you have your friends around you and your family around who you who you do trust like you said listening to if somebody tells you they're lying but even just like having a backup in like justifying your feelings or maybe being a more clear head Absolutely. At least makes me feel a little better. Absolutely. Just find the people you do trust and let or them Or if you be happen to team. know a reputable private investigator that can look at you. That too. <laughs> if you get the opportunity to hang I out with Mackenzie, them do it. Down. <laughs> That's so bad. There's also ways we can encourage people to be more honest with this as well, especially in relationships. The research on this suggests that in relationships, each person believes that they have these common rules about honesty, but it turns out it's rare that both people are on the same page. And just as some examples, some people believe that their partner should lie to them to spare them from uncomfortable truths or from painful truths. And so some people report, and this is in a study that Drew and I carried out, people said that they expect their partner to lie to them if it'll, you know, make them not have hurt feelings. And so some people are Like just you more, don't look fat in that outfit or whatever? Exactly. Or, you know, I would, I, I, I love your mother, you know, or just, you know, <laughs> uh, so, um, but And some people are just more tolerant of uncomfortable things generally. We have different sensitivities. And so some people just want to have the truth regardless of how painful and uncomfortable it is. And some people want a little bit more of a cushion and dishonesty can give us a little bit of that cushion. And so just having conversations about the expectations of honesty leads to higher levels of honesty. And then also having conversations about our our 
ability and willingness to accept the truth when it does come out without exploding, for example. And we can do things that encourage more honest and, and compassionate communication with each other. And so it's really that, you know, we talk about trust. It's really about trusting people to tell us the truth, even when the truth will be harmful and letting them know that if they are truthful, we can handle it and we can deal with it. I just asked my wife, if there's anything you ever want me to lie about, what is it? And she said her, she said her cooking, thankfully she's an, a phenomenal cook. So I never have to oh lie my to God. her. That's a, <laughs> such an interesting question and a good question to ask people. Literally, wow. don't lie to me about anything. Yeah, one one of the good things about about setting an intention to be as honest as you can is it actually forces you to be a good person. Like you know, if, if you've decided when you wake up in the morning, I'm going to be honest all the time. You're not going to do crappy, horrible things to people because you then have to lie to cover those things up. And so, I think it's a really good strategy to to set one's course at the beginning of each day to a commitment to being honest. I'd say that's a great strategy, Chris. <laughs> like, like, don't be an asshole today. Like, just be normal. <laughs> Wake up. Be honest. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> you mentioned an, another relationship thing that I remember from your book. So we haven't really gotten into attachment styles on our podcast because we're more storytelling. We're not like a relationship advice. But you kind of mentioned that some attachment styles are more prone to lying. Mm which kind of, I mean, I feel like I have an anxious attachment style, so maybe I'm a liar. Yeah. So some of the research (laughs) that that we have studied, we've looked at attachment style, which is just really a style in which we develop bonding relationships with others. It begins in childhood. We attach with our primary caregivers and then it persists throughout life. But one of the attachment styles is an anxious attachment style. And this is a style in which there's a lot of anxiety about separation, a lot of anxiety about abandonment. And what we see is that people who have that anxious attachment style are much more inclined to lie, especially within their relationships. And our thinking is they're probably lying because they feel like the, the truth would would result in the, the rupture of their relationship. Exactly. Yeah. And so they'll tell their partners what they think their partners need to hear in order to maintain those those tight bonds in that relationship. So essentially, it's this anxiety and this, this tension around fear of mm. abandonment that's leading them to this dishonest pattern. That makes so much sense. There's just so many different types of lies. Mm-hmm. And I think feeling secure in the fact that we all lie is not necessarily a bad thing because it helps us understand each Chris other. Chris and Drew said better. it was okay. They said it's normal. Yeah, it's normal. Hannah, you keep saying maybe I'm a liar. You know, my <laughs> position is we're all liars. We see in with regards to lying, people will rationalize and they'll say, when I do it, it's not really a lie. <laughs> so it's like they don't even they don't even interpret their dishonesty as a lie, but they will if someone's doing it back at them. That is I, so interesting. This is oh so, my there's so much to think about. So as I would start to probe, and I might even encourage you to be more honest. Be like, hey, we're in a relationship and it's really important for me that we're honest and genuine with each other and get you to come clean. Where can we find your book? The book Big Liars is it's on Amazon or uh, any other big book outlet. And then we also- Is it on Audible? Because I'm a lazy reader. 
true? Do you know if it's on Audible? I don't think it is at this point. APA was working on it, yeah. I think. or maybe the pathological line. <laughs> right. So I don't think I might, it is that at might this actually, point. I might have to sit down and read it. Okay. Yeah, I can read it me. to you if uh, <laughs> that'll make it easier for you, Mackenzie. <laughs> Thank you, because I'm so lazy. <laughs> Just record the whole thing. It's yeah, fine. no worries. I feel, I feel better having more understanding, I think, kind of empowers you at least to navigate the world a little differently. Sure. Not maybe as skeptically as Mackenzie, but she's seen some things in her <laughs> PI adventures. Thank you so much, honestly. Absolutely. And I hope everybody who has more questions goes and finds your book because it's very good. Chris and Drew, it was so nice to meet you. Thank you yes, so nice much for being here. Course. Thanks a lot. I really had a blast talking with you. Yeah, it's been a great pleasure. What did we learn about lying? Oh, man. I mean, I'm glad that they reassured us in a way that it's almost impossible to detect when people are like this, but also most people are not big liars. Most people are little liars about when the food isn't as good as the waiter, when the waiter comes and it's like, is that yeah, yeah. good? And you're like, yeah, I love yeah, it. Fine. Thank you. But we I'll- all do that. I totally thought they were going to say that, like, everybody's a liar. Don't trust anyone. And I was going to feel so validated. And they were like, no, most people are normal. You're just a freaking psycho. Like, well, I have a, just... I have lying bias. <laughs> lying bias, which is good to be skeptical. Is that a disease? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just based on your life as a PI girlfriend and then some of the shitty douchebags you've dated. They gave me a pass. They were so great. And (laughs) if you want more, again, their information is in the show notes. They wrote a book called Big Liars. You can check it out. They have another book too that's interesting. It's all in the show notes. And yeah, they're like really interesting. I mean, if you have more questions, I mean, we're always down to ask people to come back if you like them. I'm curious to know if what they said was what tracked with what you guys think as far as like liars, do you feel like most people lie? Were you surprised that they said that like most people in general kind of don't really lie that much? Because I was stunned. Well, like lie in that capacity. like Yeah, massive, like big, like lies. the big lies. But people, the fact that people tell little lies every day, like I, I that tracks. Like that totally, like, you know, yeah, that totally yeah. tracks. Also, the idea that everyone is trying to justify their behavior and we are able to do a lot of mental gymnastics to make ourselves the good guy, like, Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense as to why so many people, dogfish in our stories, are like, oh, I have excuses. I have, like, they gaslight, you know, they're doing, it's, they're not necessarily completely evil. They're just doing anything they desperately can to make themselves the good guy. Right, exactly. Which sucks. I know that we're all guilty of it. Like, we all want to be shown in the best light, right? So I get that. But also, I think it really goes to the extreme. Like, these are pathological lying experts. Like, they know the deal between, like, you know, light little fiblets versus, like, big lies like they talk about. So I, And it's very interesting. But I would just love to, I don't, like, I don't know. Lying is so hard because it's like, like they said, you have to decide like what's tolerable for you as far as like what kind of lies you'll believe and what kind of lies you're not going to tolerate. And so it's, it is, it's case by case, which, you know, some are a big deal to some and not others. 
I am so grateful for my therapist because I feel like trust and trust issues are an ongoing journey. And if I wasn't in therapy, who knows where I would be. But also the person that lied to him when he was in there, like he was the therapist and the, th- the guy was just like, I just wanted to see if I could lie. That's crazy. Anyway, well, whole episode. tell us what was what your takeaways. That are. is a whole like that's a whole nother like ball of wax. Like that's a whole nother mental issue. Like that's something where you had to be validated to prove you can be better than someone like. You know what I mean? The therapist only knows what you tell them. Like, it's still your responsibility to be honest with your therapist so that they can help you, you know? Like, that's ridiculous. No, they were an an outlier, I hope. Sounds like they were. No pun intended. Uh, Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Hannah looked to the side. She was like, wait, what? Oh, outlier. (laughs) Ah, that was amazing. We have too much fun. We do, but I'm sad we won't be here for the holidays, but it's okay because we all need a break and everybody can I'm not. It's Christmas. We get prezzies. You get prezzies. We get prezzies. I'm just kidding. You guys, that is not, that is not the reason for the season. Yeah, but like, it's not, not, (laughs) but what a a great present it would be to gift someone a Patreon subscription. (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a great way to connect with your friends also. Like if you're like, hey, I'll buy your Patreon subscription. Like they're only five bucks and you can totally like gift that to them. And you guys, there's some funny stuff that happens over the Patreon. We have a lot of fun with it. A little too much fun. Yeah, I mean, I could not believe this latest episode. I couldn't believe like it was so fun to hear how you looked up people. If you missed it, the latest Patreon episode is Mackenzie maybe looking into some people on her Instagram who have been very mean and not looking them up to give them any energy, but just to look them up to remember, consider the source, you know, like if somebody says something shitty to you, there's probably some stuff going on there and she found stuff. Yep. It was drama. I I drop a very good website. Oh my gosh. You guys go go to the Patreon. Just go. I don't know what you're waiting for. Just go. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, we love y'all. Happy holidays. Follow us at Dating Detectives Podcast, all the places. Email us your thoughts or your stories. What's our new email? Investigate at the Dating Detectives Podcast.com. Yes. So we the note the new email address, investigate at the dating detectives podcast.com. Yeah. Send us your stories, you guys. Like we we want to we want to tell your story. And sometimes sometimes it's important because like you feel like you may not have a voice or maybe you have experienced something that you haven't shared yet. Um let us be a voice. Like we that's what we want to do for, you know, people out here in the world of love and relationships. So, yeah, you're not alone and this is a good place to vent if you need to let it all let it all hang out and talk about what you've been through. <laughs> I love it. And you guys, don't be a liar and also trust your intuition. We love you. Mm -hmm. Okay, happy holidays.